church, would you grab your Bible or your device and click to or turn your page to John chapter 15 with me? John chapter 15. I'll start reading at verse 1. John 15, 1. Jesus is speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. John 15, verse 2. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Verse 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. John 15, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away. It withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Verse 7, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. This morning I want to talk to you about encountering Jesus. The last couple of weeks we have been in a series entitled Encounter Jesus. We talked about encountering Jesus the Lamb and encountering Jesus the Shepherd and encountering Jesus the Carpenter. But today I want to unpack what it means for us to really encounter Jesus on a daily basis. And to help you do that, you're going to need the yellow sheet that's in your bulletin. And so if you don't have a bulletin today, you're going to need this. And so if you would just raise your hand, our ushers are going to bring uh, a sheet to you. Now, it's going to be white. It's the exact same thing. It's just because I couldn't find the yellow copies, uh, yellow paper when I made the copies. So if, if you don't have a yellow sheet, raise your hand, and the ushers will bring you a, wi- a white one. If someone next to you does not have a yellow sheet out and they don't have their hand up, would you raise their hand, your hand for them? They don't know it, but they want one of these white sheets. Our ushers will get one to you. As the ushers are passing this out, I, I want to let you know that if you're new here to Grace Point, today is going to be a little bit different day. I don't apologize for that because I am confident this is what God has for us today, but it's a little bit different. I love preaching. God has called me to preach, but today there's going to be no preaching today. There's going to be some teaching today. And I, I want you to know that we are a Bible-believing church, and we believe in the preached Word of God without apology, but sometimes we've heard sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon, and it's time for us to put into practice and to do what it is that God has told us to do in His Word or in a sermon or somewhere else. So that's what we're going to do today. You're going to need that sheet in just a little bit. As I shared with you, we've been in this series, Encountering Jesus, and, and I really wanted to uh, entitle this series, a relationship with Jesus. But I think sometimes we use a word over and over and over again and it kind of loses its meaning. And I think when we hear the word relationship in context with Jesus, that sometimes I'm not so sure that we know what that means anymore. But this encountering Jesus, the Lamb, we talked about, I'm convinced that we cannot have a relationship or an encounter with Jesus until we first meet Jesus, the Lamb. Remember, Jesus. He was provided for us. He's the sin sacrifice for us. Every single man and woman has sinned and it has separated us from God. And we need that sin debt paid for and Jesus was provided for us. That was three weeks ago. We talked about that. 
Not only was Jesus provided for us, remember he was 100% pure, made of one thing, love for the Father and love for you. And he also was perfect, and that's Jesus the Lamb. If I don't have much need for this Lamb of God to bridge the relationship for me and God to have together, I'll never get to anything that we're going to talk about today. That has to come first. And the second thing, we need to be able to encounter and meet Jesus the shepherd. I think sometimes we don't grow in our relationship with God. We don't grow as a Christian because we really have no use for Jesus the shepherd. Because remember, Jesus the shepherd, he was not only provided for us, he provides things that we need. He provides stuff for us. Remember that? And we looked at he not only provided things for us, he also brought protection for us. Sometimes protection from the enemy, often protection from ourselves with his rod and his staff. Remember? And Jesus would also bless us and bring blessings on a daily basis, hourly basis, moment by moment basis. Jesus the lamb is also Jesus the shepherd. But sometimes we, we put our arms out and say, I don't know that I want Jesus to shepherd me that much. I, I believe in you. I go to church. I read your Bible. But... The shepherding thing, I'm not so sure. And if, if that's where someone's at, everything we're going to talk about today makes no sense. So just to let you know. And then the third thing we looked at last week was Jesus the carpenter. The one who is fully God and fully man. He knows what it's like to be in your shoes. He knows what it's like to face pain, physical and emotional pain. He knows what it's like to be in the world of work and relationships. He knows what it's like to be tempted. And, and this Jesus knows what it's like to be you. To be in your shoes. When no one else understands, Jesus understands. And sometimes we don't flourish in our relationship with Christ because we've not met Jesus the carpenter who knows the intimate things of your life, knows everything about you, understands, and still loves you. But today, I don't want to introduce another concept of Jesus. I want to talk about how to. How do we specifically remain in the vine? I'm the vine, you are the branches, remain in me and I'll remain in you. It's important, that's what Jesus said. In fact, if we don't do this, we not only don't bear fruit, we wither up, we dry up, we die, and we're thrown into the fire. If you don't like it, take it up with Jesus. That's what he was saying. So as disciples, as Christians, we should bear fruit. There should be some kind of byproduct in our life. And so what does that mean? How do I have that relationship with Jesus? And as I was praying about this message today, that I'm sharing today as I was praying about this time, I felt a voice in my mind sharing common objections that somebody like you may have. Now, not you. I'm sure it's not you. It's probably the person next to you because you would never say these things. But someone like someone around you would, would say things maybe like this. Like how to have a relationship with Jesus. This is like elementary stuff. I already know this. I know Jesus. See, we start a relationship by grace and faith alone. I don't earn my way to Jesus. I don't have a relationship with Jesus because of all the good deeds that I have done. It's His grace that He's given to me in Jesus Christ. It's, it's by faith in Jesus that I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord. I repent. I allow Him to be Lord of my life. And then that begins a relationship with Jesus. But I don't want to talk about beginning a relationship today. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to talk with you about that after. But that's not what I want to talk about right now. I want to talk to the people who already have a saving knowledge of Jesus. How do I continue to remain in the vine? How do I continue to have a relationship with Jesus? What does that look like? And the voice in my head says things like this. Really? I, I already know this. What, what, 
this has got to be for someone else. And so the temptation for some of you will be to turn your brain off and say, well, that's for someone else because th- this is like baby stuff. I already know this. But, but, but I believe God has something for us. Wayne Cadero in his book, The Divine Mentor, tells a story of a big sequoia tree. Hundreds of feet tall, been around for many, many, many years. And, and this tree had fallen over and it was of great disturbance to the park rangers because they didn't really know why the tree fell over. It had stood for so long and there was no big storm or earthquake. Lightning hadn't struck the tree or anything like that from the outside. It looked beautiful and then just one day it had toppled over. And after further investigation, they began to look at the roots as they dug it up. They saw the root system was in great decay. And after their study, they they found that because of so much foot traffic around the base of that tree, it had trampled trampled all over the roots and it had snuffed out the life-giving source that should come through those roots. Wayne Cadero in his book, The Divine Mentor, talks about how that is so common to the spiritual life that many of us on the outside, we look strong, we're tall, we've been standing for a long time. But for whatever reason, there's been a lot of foot traffic around the base of our life, and it's beginning to affect the roots of our spiritual life, and it's choking out the nutrients that we should have. Sometimes our roots are damaged because of sin. Sometimes it's damaged because of things that are not your fault, that it's just life circumstances around you. And if we're not conscious about taking care of the root structure in our life spiritually, we too will topple over. Sometimes we see a Christian, they have a big moral fall, and they topple over, and we just say, well, it must have been some storm, some big catastrophe. But, but often, not always, but often, the decay had been going on for a long time. There wasn't anything feeding that nutrients of their heart. And so today, I want to talk about how do I remain in the vine? How do I have a relationship with Jesus Christ? But that voice is still speaking out to me. That's... I already know that stuff. It's silly. It kind of reminded me of something else in my life. It's as if someone would say, I want to teach you how to ride a bike. How many have ever ridden a bike before? Raise your hand. It's okay. Good, good. How many hate voting in church? Raise your hand. You just hate doing it. Okay, yeah. I can still have you're like, I'm not raising my hand. I don't care what you say. I'm not doing it. But you've ridden a bike. And if I would say, I want to teach you how to ride a bike today, a lot of you would go, What? I don't know how to ride a bike. Well, I had someone talk to me and say, Brady, do you know how to ride your bike correctly? Carrie and I are getting ready to go on a long 500-mile bike journey in July. And and this friend was asking me, he said, do you know how to ride your bike correctly? And I thought, come on. What are you you talking to? I have a bike. I can ride a bike. That's, That's silly. I don't want to hear it. And I began to think about how silly it is to say, do you know how to ride a bike And I think a lot of us today, when we hear this topic, it's kind of like this thought, do do you know how to ride a bike? We go back to our mind as a child, and the first time we learn how to ride a bike, we we know how to ride a bike, and you never forget how to ride a bike. You may not be good at it, and we just say, really, you're going to teach me how to ride a bike? I've had a bike for 10 years, 20, 30, 50, 75 years I've had a bicycle. Of course I know how to ride a bicycle. I mean, it's it's a kid's bike. It may not fit me anymore, but what do you mean you you want to talk about how to ride a bike? I I know how to ride a bike. Again, Carrie, if I have a wreck, this could be bad, so you've got to help me. And we just say, well, sure, I can ride a bike. Why do you want to talk to me? It doesn't fit very well. My knees don't fit, but I can can, can ride a bike. Sure, I can ride a bike. It it looks a little silly, but but I know how to to ride a bike. I mean, just, why why do you want to talk to me about riding a bike? But 
but I think this fits so much with what God wants to say to us today. Yes, you've got on a bike before. Yes, you've pushed the pedals of a bike, but, but some of us, let's be honest, we haven't ridden the bike in a long time. You've ridden. You own one. You probably know where it is, but you haven't ridden it in a long time. I was riding a bike this weekend with some friends, with a friend specifically, who told me he hadn't ridden a bike in over a year and a half, probably two years. And we're riding together, and, uh, and as we're riding, he decides to stop, and instead of pulling the brakes, he puts his feet down, and the pedals hits the back of his legs, and he falls over and crashes. Now, I'm not going to tell you who it was, but it was, it was a sight to be seen. It was hilarious. And so when my dad fell over, I mean, I wasn't going to tell you who it was. It, it, was, it was great. And, and I said, Dad, um, why... why uh, why did you try to put your feet down? I mean, you've ridden a bike your whole life. It, it's just been a long time, and I don't know why I did that. I shouldn't have done that. I just thought I wasn't going very fast, and I just stopped with my feet, and it was a catastrophe. Friends, some of us, what I'm going to talk about, just trust me. You're going to just get to the point. No, trust me. You're going to feel this. I, I'm telling you, you're going to feel it. You're going to go, really, really? I know how to do this. But if you haven't done it in a while, we need some coaching again to, to do it right, to do it better. Well, I told you my friend had been talking to me about knowing how to ride a bike. He says, Brady, are you riding the bike correctly? And I was almost offended. And I thought, what do you mean? He goes, well, first of all, well, what kind of bike do you have? Does it fit you? Others of us here, you, you may be riding your bike spiritually. You haven't taken time off. But let's be honest. You're riding the same face, the same patterns you had since you were six years old. And Jesus hasn't changed. God hasn't failed you. But as you have grown, you've not exercised your faith or your obedience or anything else. And so you're still dealing with a six-year-old faith. And there's nothing wrong with a six-year-old faith when you're six years old. There's nothing wrong with a six-year-old surrender to God unless you're no longer six years old. Because when you turn seven, there's new things you need to surrender to God. When you turn ten, there's new things you surrender to God. When you turn 60, there's new things you surrender to God. And so, is it fitting you? And so, I, I talked with my friend, and, and he was telling me about a bike fit and all these kind of things, and to get a right kind of bicycle. And, and, and I kind of understood that, and, and, and I made sure I had a bicycle that fit me right. But then he said, do you know how to ride the bike? And then I'm like, are you serious? He said, well, Brady, when you pedal... Do you pedal in squares or circles? What a dumb thing to say. I thought, has he not like, seen a bicycle before? It always goes in circles. How do, you, how do you pedal in squares? He said, well, no, what I mean is when you ride your bike, you just kind of push up and down, and you just kind of just in squares. Like, well, it goes in a circle. He goes, well, no, do you just like push and then push and then push and then push? And I'm like, well, I, I guess. He goes, well, that's all wrong. What do you mean it's all wrong? It's just you don't, you don't push like this. He said, try to pedal in circles. I'm like, it's, I'm pedaling in a circle. He goes, no, no. What if it was just smooth and it would, it would go all the way through? I said, well, I, I guess I could do that. To be honest, I didn't see any difference in it. What's the big deal? The bike's still moving. He says, well, when you're going, not around the block, but a long distance, it's going to make a big deal. It's going to change some things. Okay. And then he began to talk to me about how I'm holding the handlebars. He said, where do you put your hands when you ride your bike? On the handlebars. Where do you put them? He goes, well, how do you hold it? I said, well, I hold it like this. He said, well, show me. So I showed him. And he said, now, don't grip it so tight. He said, especially when there's trouble in the road, when you grip it so tight, you're going to end up getting pain in your neck. 
And I thought, I've had pain in my neck for a long time. I thought it was some of my friends. Maybe some of you, it was a pain in the neck. But it's, it's, from, it's from this bicycle. It's, it's, it's from squeezing it too tight. He said, listen, the momentum of the bicycle wants to move forward. But when you come up against a rock, if, if you hold it kind of loose, it can navigate around that and, and you can make it. He began to tell me one thing after another after another. Talked about where the seat was and all these different things. And I, pretty soon I thought, I don't know if I've ever ridden a bike before. I mean, I, I've ridden a bike like that, but, but I've not ridden a bike like, like this. And, and I began to see that it wasn't just the right way to do something. It began to make sense. And, and now if I was just intending to ride around the block... No big deal. But if I was intending to go on a journey of any distance, I was doing things that I was never ever intended to happen, and it was causing pain all throughout me, and it was not the right way to ride. And, and the Lord began to turn on the light bulb and say, Brady, this ties to what I'm putting on your heart to share with a relationship with me. And so I'm going to ask my friend to help me and bring over my next little prop here. And so for the next few minutes, I, I warned you, I'm not going to be preaching today, though I love preaching, and, and we will continue to be a Bible-preaching church, but today I want to teach, and I want to share with you something that's been a great tool in helping with the relationship with Jesus. Man, you are strong. Look at that. That's awesome. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Yeah, applaud his muscles. That was great. So over the next couple of minutes, I, I want to just look at a tool. Now, I need to give a little warning. I am not saying that what I'm about to share with you is the only way to be a Christian. If you hear that, it's not for me. But what I'm going to share with you is just a tool. It's not a silver bullet. It's a tool to help you in your journey with Christ. And I'm not even suggesting it's the best way. It's just the best way that I know how. And I want to share with you out of the practice of my heart because I began to think about it. I don't know if anybody ever taught me how to have a relationship with Jesus. I had many great mentors, and they probably at some point tried to tell me I probably wasn't listening, but I I couldn't remember anybody coaching me and teaching me how. Kind of like when I learned how to ride a bike, uh, someone put me on a bike and just pushed me down the hill and said, you'll learn. Then you fall and crash. Well, I won't do that again. Just kind of figure it out. But there's got to be a better way. And, And I felt like God said, Brady, take some time. When the whole family's together, our kids are in here with us on purpose today, where we can talk about This is a way. So as you hear this, one opportunity to get mad, you're going to have like six, just to let you know. If you want to get mad, you're going to have like six opportunities to get mad. That's okay. The first one is, I don't like, I don't do that. And I'm a Christian. Well, sure you are. Sure you are. This is is a way. And I want to challenge you. If you haven't ridden the bike spiritually in a while, or if you can't articulate what your way is to keep your relationship in tune, then maybe try this way. Or maybe even more importantly, it may not be for you. It may be for someone under your influence. Can you articulate to them how to have a relationship with Jesus on a daily basis? Not just what to believe and not even just what to do, though those are important things. But what does it look like every single day? And so I want to share with you a a little tool, document that you see there. It's the yellow form or the white one if you just got that one. And and at the top, look at it with me. It says, Discipled by Jesus, Daily Journal. Now, here's the second place to get angry. Okay, I'm just trying to help you here. If you want to get angry, I'm just trying to help you see where it can happen. Some of you, when you hear journal, you go, I don't do that. That's a Hello Kitty diary with a lock on it. That's a girl thing. I don't do that. I don't journal. 
I'm a man's man. I don't do that. I understand it. I've been there. But I want you to hang with me for a little bit. I'm not saying this is the only way, but friends, this works. This is a tangible way to stay in the vine, to stay connected. So I'm going to ask over the next couple of minutes, you just hang with me. There may be a couple things that feel awkward. That's okay. Just hang with me and say, you know what? I, I may. I may try this out. I may not. I may say Brady's crazy, and that's okay. You can do that. But just, just check it out with me. So I'm going to do a quick overview of it, and then we're going to go back and look at it in detail. So there's basically five questions here. And the next line says, my hour with Jesus. Now, I'm losing a couple of you here when I say my hour with Jesus. Some of you go, oh, 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 pastor, I love Jesus. I'm with him all the time. But my, like, devotional plan is six minutes and 37 seconds. We live in the information age, and I get my devotions coming in on my cell phone, uh, the Twitter feed. It, it comes through the, the daily bread thing that comes in the mail, whatever it is, and that's what I do. Hey, that's great. I'm not saying you have to do this to be a Christian. I'm just saying you may want to try it out. It's been a blessing to me. It's been awesome. If you don't have a way, if you don't know, this works. But the part that says one hour, I want you to think about one hour. I don't care how busy you are, every one of you have 24 hours in a day. What if you would give one twenty-fourth of your day to intentionally cultivate the relationship with Jesus? That's a lot. Well, last night I got on the computer and I tried to make a circle that had 24 equal parts, but I was reminded how bad I was at geometry and I couldn't figure it out. I got it to here and there and it was, I got every number but 24, and so just imagine in your mind with me. And if you can do that, don't email me. I can just imagine right now I'm having 89 people email me that circle. But imagine one twenty-fourth of a piece of pie. It's pretty small. Could, could I do an hour? I think most of us, when we look at an hour with Jesus, it's not the hour part that's a problem. It's what am I going to do, Saul? 60 minutes? Well, let's look at this together. Five questions. The first one is this. It's the topic is knowing who Jesus is. And the question is this. Who do you say that I am? And this question, it didn't come from Oprah. It's not just some kind of self-help thing. It's rooted in God's word. The scripture here in Matthew 16, it's when Jesus is asking the disciples, who do you say that I am? It's important to look at the questions that Jesus asks his disciples because you and I are one of his disciples and he can ask it to us. And so this opening question is, is this, what is one word or one phrase of who Jesus is to you today? So the proposition is this, as you start your hour with Jesus, just sit down and, and write out, you don't have to do it now, but just think about doing it this week, write out one word or one phrase of who Jesus is to you. And if that seems too hard, what is one thing you know about Jesus? Just one thing you know about him. We'll come back and look at some examples in a minute. And then the next part of this pattern is, is to move down. You see the line says, write a brief prayer telling Jesus who he is to you today. Now remember, I'm not saying this is the only way. It's not even the best way, but it's the best way I know how. But if you're going to try this experiment, I encourage you to do it right. You may never do it again, but if you're going to experiment with it, do it right. And, and write out Jesus' name. Jesus. This is who you are to me today. And write it down. Now you're going to be tempted here, some of us, to say, well, I'm not going to write it. I'm just going to think it. It's going to be in my notes and just kind of think. And Don't do that. It won't work. Right, I, I've had a bike for a long time. I know how to pedal this thing. Just back off. I told you. I tried to, tried to warn you. It may be aggravating. I'm just, try it. Write it down. 
What gets written down gets done. What is written down, you can remember it. You can go back to it again. God isn't going to forget. You will. You need this. This is going to be a blessing to you. So just try to write it down in a prayer briefly with Jesus' name. Jesus, this is who you are to me today. And then look at the next line. For some of us, this is going to like wig us out. What do you think Jesus would say back to you from that prayer? (laughs) I don't know. I'm not God. You mean God's going to speak and I should be able to hear him? I think that's what the Bible says. Well, what if I get it wrong? Well, then you're going to get it wrong. Well, what if I don't know exactly what God's going to say? Then you won't know exactly what to say. But it doesn't mean we don't practice the presence of God. So in your mind's eye, what do you think Jesus could possibly say back to you? You may get it wrong. That's okay. You're not saying you're God. You're not saying you know everything that God says. But what do you think he may say to you? Just write that down in a sentence. Not right now, but I'm just telling you how you're going to do this later. Those of you who choose to accept the challenge. And that's kind of the pattern for each question. Now let's go on to the second question. Watching what Jesus is doing. That's the topic. Here's the question. Do you understand what I have done? This comes from John 13, 1 through 5, when, when Jesus is washing the feet of the, the, the disciples, and, and he says, do you know what I just did for you? And they didn't really get it. And the emphasis is that Jesus is doing things, and we need to see what he is doing. James tells us that every good gift comes from God. And so the question we're going to write here is, what is one thing that you see Jesus doing in your life or in the life of someone around you in the last 24 hours? If you get a blank, you go, I don't know. What is one good thing that you see? Because if Scripture is true, if it's really good, every good thing comes from God. What is it that's good that's going on? And we're going to make some sense of this a little bit. That, that's kind of what's happening here. And then write out your prayer in response to Jesus and, and so on. The third question, now make note, this has been about like five minutes in each. You may spend a little bit less time. You may spend a little bit more. That's okay, but I just just a few minutes. You don't have to spend forever. Here, and intentionally at this point, we go to God's Word. Friends, some of us, When we look at our devotional time, all we do is read God's Word. It is powerful. Don't misunderstand me. God's Word is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. We need to read it. We need to know it. We need to memorize it. But what good is knowing it and reading it if we never, ever talk or interface with the living Word of God in Jesus Christ? How do we remain in Jesus and He to remain in us if all we do is run our eyes over words that He has said but we never ever enter into relationship with Him. And so when we talk to Him about who He is to us, and we talk to Him about the good we see doing, then our hearts are ready to digest and read the written Word of God. So what if you took, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, and read the portion of Scripture that you have set for that day? Maybe you're reading through the Bible in a year. Maybe you're reading through the book of Acts. Maybe you're reading a chapter a day. Maybe you're reading five verses a day. But however you're reading... Just right there in that blank, what scripture passage did you read? Write the whole passage that you read, just the reference. Luke chapter 1, or Luke 1, 1 through 5, or whatever it is you read that day. And then from that reading, just look for one verse. Two if you must cheat. Sometimes I do two and a half, and that's not right. One or two, here's why, you'll see why. And then we're going to walk through some observation and application steps on just the one verse. This is not time to prove to yourself all your knowledge. It's not time to to write down this big commentary. Just 
what, what is one verse that God seems to be speaking to you, that's highlighted to you, that seems interesting to you, that jumps off the page to you? Write down one verse. You doing okay? I see some of your faces. You're going, pedaling in squares and circles, just, uh, just riding the bike. I know, it seems weird. It's weird. I know it. But it works. It, 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 don't, don't give up. Hang with me here. Because when we begin to practice the presence of God and we intentionally cultivate a relationship with Him, it changes some things. I'm not saying if you haven't done this, you're not a Christian. I'm not saying this is the only way. I'm just saying, friend, this will help you. If you don't know how to pass it on to someone else, this will help you pass it on to them. So we're on question three. Here's what it is. After I've read my scripture passage for the day, I I found one verse that jumps out at me that's interesting or I feel like God's speaking to me through or whatever it may be. Then we're going to walk through this little soap application, scripture part. Write out the verse. Now, guys, I don't know what it's like to be a woman, so I can talk to the guys. I think we have a huge temptation here. Most of us, we want to skip this for efficiency. It's in the Bible. I do not need to rewrite this. I can see it on my phone or in, in the Bible right there. I don't need to rewrite No, rewrite it. Write out the verse again. Something happens here and here when I write it again. So I'm going to rewrite that verse. And then observation. It's not rocket science. What do you observe in that verse? Who's being spoken to? What's happening? What, what's, what's the outcome of what's happening? What sort of observations do you see? Try to be specific in sentence form. Then application. Write down a couple lines. How could your life change tomorrow based off of the truth that you're learning today? How could you be obedient to the truth that you're reading today or tomorrow? Write down some application. And then prayer. Talk to God about what you see in that verse. The fourth question is this, do what Jesus wants, that's kind of the category, and the question is, do you truly love me? John 21, Jesus is talking, and he says, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, and do you love me? Yes, do you love me? Yes, and then he says, well, then feed my sheep. In essence, if you love me, do what I'm telling you to do, obey me. It's right up there. Obey my commands. If you love me, obey me. Well, it's just four little buckets Write down what you think Jesus is asking you to be obedient in. The first bucket is your own life. Is Jesus saying anything to you today? Maybe it's from the scripture you read. Maybe it's not to do with that scripture. It's something else. Where you feel like Jesus wants you to be obedient. Write write that out, that sentence. I feel Jesus wants me to trust him more. I feel like Jesus wants me to stop going to this location. I feel like Jesus wants me to start doing this. What, what, What do you feel like Jesus wants you to do personally, yourself? Write it down. The second bucket is, what do you think Jesus is calling you to in obedience in your family? If you're not married, and if your parents aren't with you, your close circle of friends, the people that are closest to you, what is he asking you to do in obedience with those people? The third bucket, what is Jesus asking you to do, how to be obedient with other believers? He'll call us to be obedient. Maybe I'm going to give a word of encouragement to you. Maybe I'm to to give some, some help to you. Maybe I could... Could, could give something to bless you. Maybe I could offer a word of, you know, tentative, loving correction to you. What does the obedience look like with other believers? And the fourth bucket there is, what about people who don't know Jesus? The lost. Is Jesus asking me to be obedient in anything in my life in those areas? So you just got those four buckets. And then again, the pattern. Write a prayer to Jesus and your response to what he's saying to you. And then what do you think he may say back to you? And then the fifth one, hang with me, is so important. After we have talked with God, 
after we have seen the good, after we have read his word, after we begin to chart out our obedience that he's calling us to, we can feel kind of a weight. Oh my goodness, I got some action steps to do. The topic is believing what Jesus has promised. The question is this, do you believe me? This comes from the passage of scripture where Jesus is with his family and Lazarus has just died and they're hacked off at him because they said, come on, Lazarus is sick and he didn't hurry up and he dies. And they're like, if you would have been here on time, you wouldn't have died. And Jesus says, in essence, do you believe me? I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe the power I have to raise the dead? In essence, when you say things that are impossible in front of you, do you believe that I have the power to do the impossible? When I profess that belief to Jesus, it changes some things in my life and the relationship that his power helps me. Then I'm going to write that prayer and listen for his response. And the final part here is celebrating God. What are three ways that I can celebrate, have fun in God and what he's teaching me today in the final two? And our closing thoughts this morning, I felt the Lord wanted me to share a little bit from my prayer journal. And the next moment or two may be uncomfortable, not so much for you, but a lot for me. <laughs> I feel like I'm inviting you into my closet, and, uh, but I'd rather be obedient than be comfortable. So this isn't just like some kind of pie in the sky thing, somebody do it, but, but this is what it was for me. If I'm going to remain in him and he's going to remain in me, there's some things that I do every single day that helps that. And here's what it was on April 14th, the question knowing who Jesus is. Who do you say that I am? I wrote down, write one word or phrase that describes who Jesus is to you today. I wrote down, Jesus is the Lamb of God. <laughs> I look back on it, it makes me laugh. I had preacher brain. I wrote down what the sermon topic was for the upcoming week. Interesting stuff for me to reflect on. Write out a brief prayer telling Jesus who he is to you today. So here is my prayer. I use his name, Jesus. I acknowledge that you are the Lamb of God. You have been provided for me, and I have no means of providing for myself. Then I went on to the next part. You don't have to write long, but I want to enter in relationship with Jesus. Write out what you think Jesus might say to you in response of your prayer. Use your name. Now, for those of us who aren't used to this, this feels strange. But trust me, when I practice the presence of God, it not only gets easier, but more important, I begin to think, I think I'm hearing God speak to me. So here's what I wrote, Brady. This is as if Jesus was speaking to me. I have and I do love you with my life. You are right. You are not enough. But I am. I have been provided for you. That's what I felt Jesus was saying to me in that morning. Then the second question Write down something good that you saw. Well, it could be anything, but here's what I saw. I'd watched a video online that my daughter had made. Here's what I wrote. Caden made a video on her own talking about God, the Creator, and how He created this particular tree, and then she hugged the tree in the video, and how He created her, and then she hugged herself. I saw how Caden is picking up who God is and how He loves her. That's the good thing that I saw. I was praising God for that. Write down a prayer to Jesus telling Him how you feel about it. So here's what I wrote. Jesus, my heart was moved as I watched Caden talk about you. I'm so thrilled that she's experiencing you. As she hugged the tree and hugged herself, I could not help but think that you would be overjoyed if you could see what Jesus was doing. <laughs> this is kind of a dumb thing to write, but that's what I wrote. As if God couldn't see that. So write out one thing you think Jesus may say back. Here's what I felt Jesus say back to me. Brady, I am proud of you coaching Caden to look for me, and I do see her every day. I'm so proud of Caden, and I am speaking to you, Brady, through your 
stepdaughter. That's what I felt the Lord say to me that day. And as I went on to listening to what Jesus would say through his word, I read Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and then Luke chapter 1. You may read more or less, that's irrelevant. But then the one verse that jumped out at me, I rewrote it. Genesis chapter 1 verse 3, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good and God separated the light from darkness. Here was my observation I wrote. God simply said, let there be, and he created it. And it was created. Then God sees his creation and sees that it is good. God does this over and over again. And I wrote down the verses that he did it. Each time God speaks, he creates, and he sees it is good. So here was the application that I wrote. I think Jesus is reminding me that what God says, what he speaks, he always does. He has done, excuse me, he always follows through. God also takes note. He sees what he has done and calls it good. In my life, I can look for the good that he is doing and not only join him in saying that it is good, I can rest in knowing that his words are solid. And then this leapt out at me as I read this in first service. This brings an increasing importance to me, hearing him speak to me. God is creating life in me every time he speaks. And if I take time to see it, and call it good, I'm actually doing what God is calling me to do. I just want to pause right there. I wrote three or four sentences, and it was just kind of fuzzy. I don't know if there was anything good in there. But then that last line jumped out at me. Every time that God speaks, he creates something in me. In essence, I hope I don't miss the creation that God wants to do in me. If I didn't write this out, just kind of think about it, I would have missed that nugget of truth that encouraged me an hour ago. And then I wrote out a prayer to Jesus of what he was saying to me. For the sake of time this morning, I won't go through all through question four, these four buckets, but I'll read you one of the buckets of obedience. I felt God was talking to me with my family. Here's what I wrote. Obedience and caring and feeding your family. I feel Jesus is calling me to help expose Caden to this tool, to help facilitate a relationship with Jesus and her. Help her explore writing and listening and reading in relationship with Jesus. That's what God was saying to me on that day, area of obedience. Then I wrote out a prayer. Then I went into question five, and I wrote a little bit about how I needed God's power to help me follow through and do this. And then I wrote a little response of what I think Jesus would say back to me. And then the experience, uh, celebrating God, here's what I wrote. I could celebrate God by sitting down with Caden and sharing this with her. I could celebrate God by going outside and seeing God's creation in 3D. And then the last part, who are two people you can share with today this amazing thing that God is doing in your life? I wrote Terry Habegger for one and Craig Broxton is another. Now as I share that, it feels awkward for me because I, when I wrote it, I had no intention of reading that to anybody else. But like I said, I'd rather be obedient than be comfortable. For some of us, when we hear this, you're like, can you let us go? It's lunchtime, really. I know you said there wouldn't be preaching and I kind of got excited when you said it'd be different. But then when you started doing that, I got bored. We can get on a bike and we can ride the bike. And friends, if your intention is just to like, you know, never leave the neighborhood, this will work. This will work. I don't care how old you are. You, you can kind of make this work. You can just kind of walk through and just kind of do this. But, but it's never intended for a journey. Oh, maybe when you're like the right age and height, this may be the right bike. But it was not intended for an adult. And some of us, when we look at our relationship with Jesus, how you're cultivating staying in the vine... 
This is not about if you're going to hell, if you're going to heaven. I'm not saying if you don't do this, you're not a good Christian. If you're hearing that, that's Satan giving you all kinds of junk, okay? What I'm saying is, how do you cultivate that relationship with Jesus? If you're not sure, I challenge you to, to maybe get out of the, the neighborhood, just kind of push it along. This is never intended to do this. It hurts. It's not, it's not really meant for where I'm at right now. But what if you would allow Jesus to mentor you and teach you through his word every single day? Brady, I don't know. I don't write like that. I know. I know. But if I could leave you with one thing that jumped out at me from my devotions on that day in Genesis 1, whatever God speaks, he creates. I like that in Genesis 1, but it never dawned on me until that particular morning that every time God speaks, he creates something. Friend, it's not a question of if God wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to you today. For many of you, he's speaking to you right now. And he wants to create something in you. Something tangible, real. I don't mean like, you know, goofy gopher dust, kind of have a spiritual goose, but like a real thing in you. Will you hear him speak to you? How? Try this. Well, do I have to do it exactly that way? No, I told you it's not the only way. It's maybe not even the best way. It's just what works for me. And I challenge you to do it. So, so here's, here's the dare, if you would. I think in a crowd this size, there's only going to be a, a percentage who'll, who'll do this. But those who do, I think it could have tremendous impact. And it may not be for you. It may be more for what God's going to do through you to help your kids or to help your friends. But it's really for you. It's really for you. It's really for me. But it's probably not for you. It's for someone else. But it's really for you. It's for me. And, and take this little outline you have in the bulletin or that the ushers handed to you. And I challenge you just one time this week. One time. One hour. And one week. One time. Try it. Now, if you're going to take the challenge and try it, you've got to do it that way. Okay? Now, you don't have to do it. If you don't want to do it, just say, I'm not going to do this. This is stupid. I'm going to go to lunch. That's fine. I love you. You're a Christian. This is good. But I challenge you, try it. You know, it's going to seem like someone saying pedal in, in, in circles versus squares. But just try it and write it out and begin to see what happens. And let me know. Now, if you have a personality like mine, you got that yellow one. It's folded in half. It's going to drive you crazy. So just go to the church website. If Guys, if you can put this up here. To help you out, print out your own so it's going to not be creased and not have staples in it. You can make it all pretty, whatever. Just click on this tab right here, Disciple by Jesus, and you can see there's a Word document there or a PDF form. The Word document, you know, you can kind of edit that and do whatever if you need to. If you're a Mac person, don't tell me why, you know, Macs are better than PC. Don't tell me that. You can take the uh, PDF, and uh, you can take that down and use that. If you're a tablet person, uh, coming on about Monday or Tuesday, there'll be some Evernote documents. It's the same thing, just a different format if you're an electronic person to help you with that. But you can print this out, or you can do it electronically. I challenge you, invest some time in a relationship. Now, here's what will happen. If it's ever bugged you in worship, when someone gets all blessed and they get all excited, does it ever seem strange to you when someone feels like God's speaking to them and you go, I, I believe in God and everything, but he never does that for me? Maybe, just maybe the root system is giving you a warning sign. 
Now, you've heard me say it before, you're, you don't have to worship God the way your neighbor does. I'm not asking for a personality change, but I'm saying the living God is speaking to you. And when you hear it and receive it, he creates something in you. And he says that is good. And when God says it's good, he's calling you to say it is good. And when you say it is good of what he's saying to you, guess what? You get in on God's creation. And there's this thing that happens. Joy comes with that. Friend, are you bored spiritually? Get off the little bike. Start journeying with him. Are you worn out? I think I told you last week I had a friend tell me that if if something in your religion, in your faith, if you feel legalism, if you feel bound up, you feel unchanged, you're doing it wrong. There's freedom in this. Well, what if I miss a day? What if I don't? Don't worry about that. I may talk about that next week or a couple weeks down the road. Just try it out. Just listen to God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my friends and their great attention this morning. Lord, I pray that you'll take the seeds and nuggets of your truth and allow it to go deep into the hearts of my brothers and sisters. And anything that got in the way, Lord, would you allow them to forget it quickly? Jesus, we long to have a vibrant relationship with you. And so, Lord, would you teach us what it looks like every day on a daily basis to begin to try out some mechanics of talking to you, of listening to you, of reading your word, of, of, of charting out what you're saying to us so we can follow up and be obedient and to lift up and praise who you are, God. Thank you, Jesus. I am confident you are speaking right now. I am confident that your word tells us that when you speak, you create. Lord, you are calling the creation in my brothers and sisters this appetite to give this a go good. So, Lord, I join in with you. This is good. It's in your name, Jesus, I pray these things. Amen and amen. Thank you.